I'm going to read maybe the longest passage I've ever read to you because it's a story and I can't take out a verse. When you read the Bible, as I've encouraged you, do the W's. Who, what, why, where, when. Sometimes how long, how much. But the W's are important. The when, I want to give you the context. This happened thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. Where it happened in the land of Israel, actually where the tribe of Judah had territory. Who, you'll see, it has to do with David and two other people. What is the story, which I'll give it to you. I'm not going to speed read it, but I'm not going to slow read it. It's too long. And why? Well, that's not only the why of why what happened happened, but why would God put this in the Bible and take up all this space in the Bible? You know, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for us. But especially when you read the Old Testament, you have to step back and say, okay, that happened. All right, I got it. I don't live in that day. I, I'm not a sheep shearer. I'm not any of these things. Why, God, why did you put this? What's the lesson? What can I extrapolate from my own life? What can I get out of this to make my life more pleasing to you? How many want to be more pleasing to God? Amen. We want to live to please him not in order to get saved. That's legalism. We want to live to please him because he's already saved us by his great love and mercy. So here we go. Okay. Now Samuel died. That was the prophet who had anointed David. Now at this point, let's just stop there for a second. David's still on the run. On the run from who? King Saul. Samuel had anointed him as a young boy, a young lad, and, and he hasn't yet become king. In fact, it doesn't look like he'll live another week because Saul and the entire army is chasing him down, trying to kill him out of jealousy. Jealousy is really a killer, isn't it? David's out there. And now Samuel, who was his father figure in the faith, has passed away. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. And then David moved down into the desert of Paran. A certain man in Maon, who had property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep. And listen, back in those days, you had a thousand goats. You were big time. We measure in different ways, but this guy had a thousand goats, three thousand sheep which he was shearing. It was like harvest time for a farmer is when you bring in the crops. Harvest time for if you own sheep is when you shear them because that's when you get your money. You cash it in, it's party time. His name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. Now that word surly there the translations have so many different words. If you look at, he was mean-spirited. He was nasty. No, nasty is our word more. He was mean-spirited. He was proud. He was selfish, ill-tempered, totally self-centered. No one wanted to be around him, as we're going to find out. Well, why would the Bible say that? Because there are people like that. His name meant fool. Nabal means fool. How did he get that name? It must have been a nickname because I can't believe his mother looked at him and said, that's a fool. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. It must have been picked up. But his name actually means fool, as we're going to see. So the Bible now tells us that there are people that are just selfish, nasty, cheap, and obnoxious. And they're hard to be around. 
He was a Calebite from the tribe of Caleb. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep, party time, festival. So he sent 10 young men and said to them, go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, long life to you. That's polite. Good health to you and your household and good health to all that is yours. Now, I hear that it's sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. In other words, when they were roaming around, we were in the area with, he had about 400 men at this time, and we watched them. We took care of them, and the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. We didn't steal. We didn't rob. In fact, we protected them. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. No big uh, demand. Hey, just as they say in the street, give me a taste. Just give us a little something. You know, because David's on the run. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who's David? Who is this son of Jesse? Now, everyone knew who David was. He killed the Philistine giant whose name was? You win. You got the trophy. It's Goliath. Everyone knew who David was. So he's just talking smack here. Many servants are breaking away. See, he has to put the dig in. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. In other words, you're under King Saul and you're on the run because you broke away. He didn't break away. He's on the run because Saul's trying to kill him. But Nabal just is obnoxious. Early, middle of the day, and late at night. He has to talk like that. So why should I take my bread and water, you selfish? Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? I don't know who you guys are. Go back and tell David that. Like, who are you? Who's David? David's men turned around and went back. And when they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, each of you, strap on your sword. He said that? It's like people you see in Brooklyn this all the time. What'd you say? Have you ever been somewhere? I saw a major fight break out at a restaurant near here when someone just said, what are you looking at? And then the person answered back in full Brooklyn, I ain't looking at nothing. What are you looking at? And a riot ensued. So David, not at his best right now, get your swords on. So they did, and David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were all around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He's such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. And that's his servant saying that. So Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seers of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of fresh figs. You go, girl. Look, this, this lady got some food. And loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal. He wouldn't have listened anyway. 
As she came riding her donkey into the mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing, he has paid me back evil for good. It was, I did good for him, and this is the way he talks back to me. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. No, no, I'm not going to kill just him. I'm going to kill everybody. I'm going to kill all his men. This is David who had a heart after God's heart. Jesus, son of David. That's David. I'm not just going to kill him. I'm going to kill everybody's with him. I'll kill the grass. I'll poison the trees. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. That's her husband. That's her husband. His name means fool. He's just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. In other words, I'll give you these supplies. Please forgive your servant's presumption, speaking of herself. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. In other words, I know you're anointed. I know you're the one God is going to make king. I don't care that Saul's on the throne. I know that God has spoken over your life. I know he's always been with you because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord, your God. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, she's speaking prophetically, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant, me. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet. See, it was party time, like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. He had a stroke. He was just talking to his servants, yeah, this and that. Gone. Now, why would God have that in the Bible? In many ways, it's a nasty story. Well, first of all, 
Let's look at the three parties that are in this story. There's Nabal, there's David, there's Abigail, and each is trying to talk to us today. God put this in the Bible for warnings, for exhortations, for encouragement, for teaching, for learning. Number one, Nabal. We meet Nabal every day, don't we? New York City is full of Nabals. (laughs) And the country and the world shouldn't be, though, in the church. God did not save us so that we would be fools. Fool in the Bible, like in Proverbs, fool, being warning, don't be a fool, has a moral quality to it, unlike when we just say, call something a fool, you know, he's just foolish. There's a moral quality to this. Nabal was evil. He was a fool. He was self-centered. Nabal was cheap. He wouldn't spend money on anybody. You know Nabal, don't you? Don't you meet people like Nabal all the time? They hoard their money. They wouldn't spend a dime on anybody. They think that the more money they have, the happier they'll be. They don't even tithe, and they call themselves Christian. They don't put money in the basket. They're Nabal. Everything's from me. Me, me, my. I'm not giving up my meat. Who's David? I never heard of David. He's a liar. But he's trying to justify his greed. Nabal stands for greed, self-centeredness, rude, Rude. Do you notice how we greeted David's servants? Who's David? Get out of here. I never heard of him. Any protection that I've had and my success has come because of me. Notice this. He's a fool, but he's wealthy. So people who tell you if you serve God, you'll just be wealthy. That implying if you don't serve God, you won't have money. No, sometimes the opposite is true. You can be evil and a fool and have tons of money. And you can be godly and just be making it. Am I correct or not? Go around the world. What do you think? Godliness means wealth? Of course not. God will supply what we need, not what we want. Some he blesses with more so they can sow that into ministries and help build the kingdom. But Nabal, notice, is wealthy. He's got more goats and sheep than you ever dreamed of. But he's still a fool. He's irritable. You ever meet people like that? You know, you talk about waking up on the wrong side of the bed. These people live on the wrong side of the bed. Just nasty, ugly. Don't have friends. Nabal didn't have a friend. Listen, if your wife calls you a fool, you got no friends. (laughs) His servants know he's a fool. Everyone knows it, but probably never told him. And that's a good warning for all of us. What do people think of us by the way we act with them and interact? What are people secretly thinking about us? I meet people all the time. They have no friends, but there's a reason why they have no friends because they're so self-centered and so greedy and so selfish that of course they wouldn't have a friend. Who wants to be around that? But they'll blame it on something else. No one understands me. I've had a hard life. No, you're selfish. To make friends, you got to show yourself friendly. You know, there is another world beside your world. You know, there are other things on God's agenda than Jim Simbola. He's working in everybody. So when I meet people, God has to remind me and help me to say, what are they facing? What, what, what are they interested in? What is bothering them? What are the battles they're fighting rather than just me? Let me tell you about my day and my thing and all of that. You ever talk with people? All they can tell you is the minutia of their day. Yeah, so then I went down the street, and then I went over there, and then I went to TJ Maxx, and then I went. But you know, I returned that thing. Yeah, listen, my mother died yesterday. Yeah, but listen, at TJ Maxx, (laughs) how many know exactly what I'm talking about? Lift your hand, right? So the lesson for that, why God has in the Bible, 
is Jesus did not save us to act like Nabal. Everything about Nabal, we should just want to run from it. Look at this proverb here. (laughs) The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. (laughs) I mean, the Bible tells it like it is. Have you ever met anyone who's the way they talk, you just want to beat them? Come on, lift your hand. All right, you're 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 not telling the truth. But the Bible says... Their mouths invite a beating. The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. And the next verse. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. He doesn't know it, but because of his big mouth and self-centeredness, he's about to die. He's a dead man walking. Nabal doesn't even know David and 400 guys are coming from him. He's so full of himself, he doesn't even see it. Come on, I'm trying to stress this because it's in the book. It's in the Bible. Don't be a Nabal. Don't have Nabal tendencies. Let's not be fools. Let's not talk in a way to antagonize people. If you took away, I mean, if you you want to see Nabal's and hear Nabal's like that talking, just go on social media. Nabal lives there. He had his own website back in that day. Nabal.com. You could just get in and... And he'll he'll insult you. Just insulting everyone. Isn't that terrible? If you're around Christians and you hear them talk and they insult. You know, what breaks my heart is about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I'm just telling you the truth now. I wasn't planning to say this. I was in the diner on the corner where I, because I live just 270 steps from this church. So I'm in that diner having my decaf. And I I get to know and have witness to the people there. And some of them visit the church here. I was talking to them. And then one just was, just blurted out, felt she knew me well enough to talk. And she said, yeah, but uh, Pastor, I love you and some of the people there, but some of the people you have going to your church? I said, what are you talking about? No, they come in there and eat on Sundays. So cheap, they won't leave a tip. I said, what? Yeah, and they're obnoxious too. I said, what? I said, what? No, I got serious. I called another person over. I said, I want, to, I want to know, is what she's saying true? No, not everyone, but you got a few real winners in there. They come, they order, they're rude, they're obnoxious. And just 10 minutes later, they were going, what a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. Hey, we all got Nabal in us. If, if not for God's grace, are we not all capable of being Nabal? No, I remember how that bothered me. Ask my wife. It bothered me for days because I'm responsible for this, right? I don't want you to come to church. We want to be more like Jesus. Come on, how many want to be more like Jesus? Let me see your hand. Well, that involves the way we interact socially with people. I bet back in that day, he was going to the tabernacle and probably sacrificing something. Nabal doesn't say wasn't religious or had bad doctrine. He was just a fool. He was obnoxious to be around. He had no friends. If your wife is talking about you like that, not good. Okay, so what's the other lesson for us today? We got Nabal. I do not want Nabal in my life. How many are with me? Say amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 and 5. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Give me, give me, give me. My schedule, my thing. This is what I want to do. Love isn't like that. 
Jesus does not make us that way. Let's read it out loud together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. And we all have failed at that. Love is kind. D.L. Moody said the hardest thing for God to do on earth is to make somebody kind. Kindness is what separates us from animals. Animals have no kindness. Animal, it's doggy dog, survival of the fittest. But when Jesus comes in your life, the main thing is he wants to make you and me kind. Why did sinners like to hang around Jesus? Because he was kind. You always like to be around kind people. But rude people, obnoxious people, you, you can't even enjoy a meal if you eat with them. They just irritate you. Their mouth invites a beating. You want to take your pork chop and just whack them over the head. No, you're laughing, but this is what the Bible is telling us. Amen? So now we have David. Now David, an example of... How about that other proverb, brother, the the next one that I wanted you to talk about? Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. You ever meet somebody who's just ready to go off and get in your grill? You just have to just drop the wrong little thing. Easily angered. How about for us and you and me? What do people, our family members, people we work with, do they find us easily angered? Going in a little snit, and sometimes it's, it's an outburst, and other times we just want to let everybody know, I ain't happy with the way things are going. Easily angered. The Bible says don't even associate with hot-tempered people. Don't hang out with them. You could learn their ways. That's what the Bible says. You know, it's one thing to be in church and say amen to the sermon and to sing the songs and read the scripture, but you got to talk to our wives and our friends and our co-workers to find out who is just ready to go off. They have that beautiful word in Argentina that they use, foforito, for a man, for a woman, foforita. It's a matchstick. You know, a match, just rub something rough against it, it gets lit. So easily angered people, people who are ready to go off, are called foforito. Oh, he's a foforito. He's ready to go off. Just rub them the wrong way. Shh, there's the flame. Now, David slew Goliath, wrote probably by then, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How strong can a bad temper attack all of us, that the man who wrote Psalm 23 and killed Goliath and was anointed to be the next king of Israel, that he could go so nuts. Notice the disproportionality of what he's about to do. Nabal, fool that he was, insulted David's men. David, in reply, is going to kill everybody. No, no, not just Nabal. The whole, the trees, the grass, everything. Any chipmunks or squirrels anywhere near that, shoot them all. Isn't that what anger does to all of us? There's no proportionality. It's the littlest thing, and now we want an avalanche. That's why God put this in the Bible. That's why I'm saying this to you watching online, you up in the balcony. Maybe we got some hot-tempered foforitos, foforitas here. And now you're doing fine because the meeting is going on. But what might happen at 6 p.m. today is another whole story. And God is saying to us, do not be easily angered. 
The anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. You will say things and you will do things that you will forever regret. Listen to me. You will say things in anger and do things you will forever regret that we forever regret. I remember counseling somebody 20 years ago, husband and a wife, and you know what the root was? As I dug down, what they wanted to talk about was not the problem, which is usually the case. But when we dug down, there was a wall of bitterness, a wall of unforgiveness. And it's because in some fight, he got angry and blurted out, I never should have married you. Exactly. Exacto. You see how you just reacted? And although later he said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. And they hugged and they kissed and they made up and all of that. That never left her memory. And the devil would come and keep bringing it back. He actually said, I never should have married you. Why did he say that? He didn't really mean it. But when you get angry, you look for knives and things you can stab people with. And when you're angry, you know exactly what will hurt that other person the most. So you go right for it. Am I correct or not? So God puts this in here where it's not some unnamed person in the Bible who gives in to anger. It's the choices of men. David. Hail Jesus, son of David, who's about to kill everybody because of his temper. We all have a line that we go over, don't we? I mean, there's a line we're pushed, we can go crazy. I've just got a flashback. I'm playing in my senior year in, at University of Rhode Island against UConn. Big game. Some ministers contact me and say, can you get us tickets for the, the game? I say yes. So these ministers, I didn't know them that well. But they knew of me, that I was supposed to be a Christian and all that. So we're playing, and it's a hard-fought game. And there's a loose ball with about five minutes left, and the ball's going out, out of the court, and I'm racing for the ball, but my opposite point guard on UConn is racing for the ball, and we're all trying to elbow each other to see who can get to the ball first and save it or do something, and I'm running, and I elbow him, he's elbowing me, and as we're falling off the court, I take the ball, and I flip it off his leg, and then it goes out of bounds, which means we get the ball. They, they lost that little skirmish. You get it? We roll into, as God is listening to me, we roll into the crowd like this, and, and now there, you know, we roll, it was at home, so it was where a lot of the fraternity guys were sitting, and they had not been drinking hot chocolate before the game, I can assure you, because I could smell, and we rolled in, and out of nowhere, he just popped me, this player, popped me right on the chin, just cold cocked me, sucker punched me, and I looked at him, and said, thou art blessed, O man of God. <laughs> I had a red light. Listen, God is listening to me. You're listening. I had a red light go on in me, which I never knew existed in me. I wanted to kill him. I grabbed for him. I started swinging as hard as I could, but I couldn't get at him. He's grabbing my shirt, my jersey. Uh, we're at each other, but there's guys there. The fraternity guys are trying to pound on him. I'm trying to, the referee gets in and I take a wild swing and I miss the player and I hit the referee in the side of the neck. And I went, you know, my bad. Uh, and he went, 
He knew me from other games, so he knew uh, this was out of character for me. But I was like, when it came, this is the truth. When it came, I, I mean, I went ballistic. Both teams emptied the benches. State troopers came out on the court. State troopers were out on the court from this Christian falling into the ground, into the crowd to restore order. We had to play out the game. We were ahead by a few points. We hung on to win, but the coach said to me when we got in the huddle, I was like, (laughs) and he said, Jimmy, on the bench, I'm going to sub for you. You can't play now. Why not? (laughs) I guess you're out of your mind. That's why. I sat on the bench. We won. We went up to the locker room. I was still totally. Then somebody came to me and said, there's some pastors downstairs. They're supposed to go out with you or something? As God is listening to me, I said, I can't see him. I can't see him. Embarrassed, ashamed. I wanted to literally kill this person. Anger is a terrible thing. Come on, how many know how bad it is? Lift your hand. I know a lot of you are sitting here. You look so sanctified, spiritual, and all of that. But you ain't all that. How many say amen? Look. You're just like me. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We all have to be on guard. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, just tell me that anybody but Jesus would do that in our lives. Not easily angered, not touchy, one translation has. You ever be around touchy people? The whole time you're with them, you're like... Because all you have to do is look wrong or say something wrong. If you even sneeze, they could say, what do you mean by that? (laughs) So love is not touchy. And it keeps, this is the hardest, keeps no record of wrongs. Some of us have a little black book. You have it. Yes, you do. I said you do. You don't have it physically, but you got a book inside of you of all the people who have crossed you. And they're eating your lunch even now. That happened 10 years ago, but you won't let go. You still got that record, and it robs your joy. It robs your peace. It hinders us when we pray. It hinders our fellowship with God because God says, I freely forgive you. Now you freely forgive others. So that's the lesson of Nabal and David. And let's finish. Abigail. Mm, mm, mm. She's the only one who comes out shining in this whole story. The two men are brutos in their own way. But Abigail, she sees what's happening. I still want to know when I get to heaven and see her, how'd you marry that guy? Did someone set it up? Did you go on like date a fool app or something? Didn't you notice it? Didn't you see it? No, really. Haven't you ever met a couple? Come on, we're talking plain now because it's in the Bible. One is a gem of Christianity. The other one is so rude and, and brutish that you wonder, how in the world do you marry? I know opposites attract, but really. Don't think I'm, being, I'm talking inappropriately. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what this passage means. So Abigail sizes it up. Notice she has discerning. She knows he's a dead man walking. No, he's dead. So she runs to David takes it as if it's her fault because you know what she is? She's a child of God. Why is she a child of God? 
because Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. She's trying to make peace. Isn't it wonderful to be around a peacemaker? Then there's people who stir the pot. Am I right or wrong? They add fuel to the fire. They got to pour. And you know what else I heard? You know what she said about you? About that outfit you wore last Sunday? She said, where'd she get that rag from? You know, just very helpful. But blessed are the peacemakers. Mucho paz, Señor. Give us peace. Now, I think I have that verse in Proverbs. Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord. He will avenge you. How many want the Lord to take care of your business? Lift your hand up high. Don't say, oh yeah, I'll wait for my day. I'll get back at you. Don't do that. The Bible says don't do that. Wait for the Lord. But Abigail's story reminds me, she's not only wise, she's not only a peacemaker, but there's something else that struck me, made me just weep. David is back in his senses. Always remember, you can meet a Christian who's not in his senses. You can't judge them by that moment. They're not, they're just out of it. Not everyone is walking by the Spirit 24-7. So David says, oh, Abigail, how am I going to thank God for sending you to stop me? Because when my anger subsided, I would have had on my hands the blood of all those people because I would have killed them all and looked for more. Maybe he has second cousins I haven't met yet. I'll get them too. David knew God sent Abigail. It wasn't just Abigail trying to preserve her husband. It was God protecting David from being further stupid in his anger. And I just want to say to you, I have no argument to make. I don't know your life story, but I know mine. How many can look back and say, God protected me? when I didn't have a clue. Wave your hand at me. It could have worked out so different, Pastor Simba. God's protected. You know why we're here today? Because even when we've been stupid, God's been wise. When we've been angry and saying crazy things, or ready to do, oh, has God's. I remember in a moment of discouragement, not six months into the ministry, I said, I can't take it anymore. I got so discouraged, I wanted to quit the Brooklyn Tabernacle, pastoring on Atlantic Avenue with a handful of people. Happened twice, but God knows the one I'm thinking of now. And I made a call to get out, an interview with someone. I got to get out. I can't do it. I don't know how to preach. I'll never learn how to preach. There's no money, offerings, $85. I have to work a second job. Carol's working a second. I can't do this. The devil just cheering me on. So I made an appointment. Let's say it was at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. 10.30 in the morning, I get a call from one of the parties that I was supposed to meet with and said, hey, listen, Jim, we were going to talk to you later on, but really, you don't fit the bill. Forget it. Don't come. This is not for you. That was God. Who knows what I would have done? And God blocked me because I was out of it. Has peace blocked you when you're out of it, hasn't he? So full of mercy. So what do we learn now? What is our takeaway, as they say? The takeaway is don't be Nabal. Ask Jesus to make us polite and kind and not self-centered, caring about others, compassionate. If you don't have many friends now, why don't you stop and check yourself? 
Maybe there's a reason why you don't have many friends. I'm, I'm not challenging anyone. I'm saying for all, to all of us, this is the lesson of Scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. David is telling us, listen, I was the chosen of God, but I was a fool myself. Talk about Nabal being a fool. He just insulted someone. I was going to kill everyone. So there you go. So God have mercy on me and keep us calm, not easily angered, not trying to get back. Let's, let's lose the, any edge we have. I don't want an edge. How many want to be free of any edge, just any edge? Even if someone's name is mentioned that has hurt us in the past, you know, sometimes you mention something like that, come and you feel the person just seize up on you because they, just let God take care of them. How many today want to draw a line and say, God, take care of my enemies? Come on, lift your hand up. God, take care of those who are against me. And you have people against you. Come on. Jesus had folks against him. So you're not going to be perfect in that respect. And then blessed are the peacemakers. Let's sow peace. Let's say kind things, healing words. Some people, they're so jarring in the way they talk. You, you feel like you're going to call EMS just by one conversation with them. You got to go to the hospital, have your bones set. They talk so jarring. Now let's, let's have smooth words, sweet words, kind words. And lastly, let's thank God that we're here today, not because we've been good, but in many cases, he has kept us from our own weakness. Can we give God a hand clap? Let's bow our heads and pray. What should we do, Lord? Well, we pray, God. This is a difficult story in the Bible, but all scripture is profitable. Save us from being Nabal. Get the Nabal spirit out of us. All of us, starting with me. Don't make us like David, easily angered and ready to blow up everything. And then what regret would come in the end? Make us more like Abigail, peacemaker, with discernment, understanding. I don't want to have my way. I don't want to have Nabal's way, David's way. I just want to make peace and save David from a lot of trouble. We surrender, Lord, all the people who have hurt us. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Help us to remember that. Otherwise, God, we try to get in on the action and get back at people. And what do we do? We get in the mud with them. We dirty all our garments. I surrender all. We surrender bad temper. We surrender naval characteristics. We surrender people who have hurt us. We surrender anger. We surrender record of wrongs that we've been keeping in that book that have been holding us back. We give it all to you. We just mush it up and give it to you, Lord. We give it to you. This story reminds us that there but for the grace of God goes me. I'm humble. I'm broken by this, Lord. I don't want to be Nabal. I don't want to be David in his anger. I want to be Abigail. Lord, bless the offering that's going to be taken and the giving. God, help us to be not like Nabal, but generous, liberal. And get everyone home safely, Lord. Bless the rest of the day. And this week, Lord, may we walk in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
not easily angered, enduring the test. May you bless us all in Jesus' name. Everybody stand, turn around, and give an Abigail greeting. Abigail, no Nabal, no David. <laughs>